Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, Florida season ends in heartbreaking fashion. The Gators lead most of the way against Oral Roberts, but not at the end of the game when it matters. Uh, they fall three points short, and uh, the slipper still fits for Cinderella, but Florida is sent home. Yeah, it's the show we we know is coming every season, but uh, but still never want to really do the the one that follows the last game of the season. I mean, that's obviously something that's very different than than college football is. Uh, other than the uh, you know the NCAA tournament, the NIT champion, and the CBI champion, I mean, everyone other than those three teams ends their season on a loss. It's something that is kind of unique to basketball, and. Uh, that doesn't make it any any worse. I mean, man, it's uh, it's it, it, it hurts. It stings. I think the way that Florida lost stings, and I think just any time it, it comes to uh, the close of the season, it's going to hurt a little bit. So um, I'd say the ending is a little bit bittersweet, but I'm not really sure what the sweet is right now. It just uh, just feels a little bit bitter, and that's uh, that's I guess just the uh, the intense uh, Gator fan in me that that just loves the team. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's it stings, Neil. Yeah, it's a rough one. Um, it was. You know, it, uh, and it, and the way that Florida lost the, uh, the big lead that they had, an 11-point lead with 10 minutes to go, uh, up 11 twice in the second half, uh, I think it made it hurt even worse because there wasn't – it wasn't like watching one of these games that they had lost this season where they had been behind the whole way and kind of clawed back to make it a fight. I mean, this is a game Florida seemed like they were in pretty good control of, and they were in good control of it with their offense. Um you know, for I thought for the first half hour, they did a lot of the things that Ohio State wasn't really able to do. They spaced the floor well. They moved the ball pretty well. Uh, I thought their early shot clock offense was very good. Um, they ran some different actions other than the pick and roll that we had gotten used to. I thought some of their pin down sets were just beautiful. Um, and uh, it was the return of the backdoor cut, too, uh, for the first time. And in a couple of weeks, Florida was really able to move the ball and and get baskets at the rim on baseline cuts that were excellent cuts. Uh, so built the lead with their offense, Eric. Yeah, built the lead with the offense and and uh, let it slide with their offense. Really, I mean, I think that their defense was uh, not not great, uh, not uh, not awful. I would say. Uh, not great, of course, playing against, I mean, man, two of the best offensive players in the country, I feel. Uh, at, at least one of them. I mean, it's everyone says it's Max Asmus, but like I mentioned on the other show, anytime they've played a high major opponent, Kevin O'Banner has been uh, the guy to outscore him. And uh, against Florida, man, he was just as difficult to uh, to stop. So uh, I'll say maybe two of the best scorers in the country. So obviously that makes things tough. But uh, while I obviously don't think that that Florida was 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 awesome defensively, um, I would say they're uh, – or sorry, yeah, defensively. I think their defense was fairly consistent um, throughout the game. It was uh, it was their offense that uh, that gave and their offense that that uh, took away. And uh, like you said, I think it was what got them the lead, and then it was also what ultimately lost them the game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a couple different things lost four to the game, but but I think when you talk about the final ten minutes of the game, it certainly was Florida's offense and and maybe the decision to slow uh, the game down uh, to some extent. Certainly really backfired on Florida. Uh, I did not think that Mike White's explanation for it in the post game, which we could get into now or later, uh, made a ton of sense, uh, especially because Florida was having so much success in early shot clock offense and pushing tempo. Uh, and they were playing an Oral Roberts team that, that was starting to miss shots short and do things that you do when you're tired uh, and you're playing up and down. I thought that they 
had some real stall ball positions. And I looked back for fun to see when I texted you uh, last night during the game as we record on a Monday night uh, about Florida's decision to slow down and when I became nervous about it. And it was at 67-60 with Oral Roberts uh, had the ball and O'Banner hit a three and I hit send on the text. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't particularly satisfied with uh, with Mike White's reasoning. Uh, I, I mean, I said this earlier in the season. I will have to echo it again. This shows once again that playing fast is is not in Mike White's DNA. As much as he says it's in his DNA, I, I don't know what more proof you need than in the biggest game of the season, in the biggest, most important minutes of the season, he looked at his basketball teams and said, we have zero interest in playing fast. Uh, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about his DNA and it's not playing fast. So just something to, to keep in mind. I mean, maybe it'll be said again. Maybe he will look on it reflectively and say, oh, I learned something. And, and for that reason, I, I do want to play as fast as I, I first thought. Maybe we'll get that. But but right now it's just, it, it was kind of another piece of evidence for a claim that I did make earlier in the year that that playing fast is, is not actually in his DNA. Like, like he, like he mentioned. And, and I do think that this is uh this is one of those reasons. I, I, I mean, something, something else that I tweeted out and got plenty of traction in the midst of uh, everyone's, you know, most angry moments after the loss was uh, I tweeted out something and throughout the season, I've kind of referenced it a couple of times. And of course it just kind of seemed like something worth pointing out at the, at the time last night was uh, that Florida actually turns the ball over less in transition than they do in the half court. And I feel like that would surprise a lot of people because again, kind of regular convention is that like, Oh, you play faster, you play in transition, you turn the ball over. That's just one of those like coaches adages. But again, that's something I love about numbers. It, it brings truth and, and fact. And that just shows that no playing in transition, playing faster does not always equal turning the ball over. And in Florida's case this season, uh, they actually have turned the ball over significantly less in playing, playing in transition than playing in the half court. And then of course the complete opposite of that was Florida's turned the ball over more significantly more in the last 10 seconds of the shot clock than the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. So if you look at the season as a whole, if you said, Hey, I, we want to stop turning the ball over, which was something that Mike White said, like, Hey, we're turning the ball over so much. We want to stop doing that. Uh, what you would do is, is not slow the game down. That's what the season sample size would suggest. Now, in fairness, Florida did have several transition turnovers in this game more than uh, a lot more than they normally would. But I also look at some of those turnovers and it was like a very weird broken play where Tyree Appleby takes it to the cup and just happens to lose the handle on it. I mean, tough turnover, bad turnover, but nothing that nothing that was particularly a mental error, I, I guess. And then another one was, again, broken play where, where Noah Locke dribbles the, the ball off his foot. It's like, well, you know, that's you call that a mental error for a guy who doesn't have great ball handling skills, but that's very different from ball comes off the the rim Colin Castleton gets a defensive rebound and gets it into the hands of Trey Mann your team's best ball handler like looking at Noah Locke dribbling the ball off his foot and saying oh we don't want that to happen so Trey Mann when you get the basketball stop running that that just doesn't there there's some dissonance there between how how I would think yeah if if Noah Locke gets the ball sure slow it down in transition if, if Trey Mann has the opportunity to push, if Tyree Appleby has the ball to push, um, I, I think you do it. So, so again, I, I didn't like it in the moment, and I didn't uh, particularly jive with, uh, with White's justification of it in the postgame. Yeah, I, I think my 
I'm not saying that Mike was definitely snake bit by last season's team's tendency to turn the ball over more in transition either. But, you know, you wonder how much that's in the back of his head when this is what he decides to do at crunch time. Uh, And then, as I said, you know, my other problem with it was I just felt like Oral Roberts was getting tired and it was, they let Oral Roberts get in a stance and rest and then get in a stance and play defense. And basically eight to 10 of those seconds was rest uh, because Florida was just dribbling the ball at the top of the key. So I think you're, you're letting them, not only are you letting them get in a stance and be comfortable when you're carving them up, spacing the floor uh, and playing quicker, but you're uh, letting them, you know, not have to run as much and exert as much energy. And I think that that was problematic. Uh, Florida also, you know, they committed in that final 10 minute stretch, Eric, they committed eight turnovers. I mean, so to your point, exactly. Uh, when they slowed the game down, they took less care of the basketball. Uh, and <laughs> that's that's just – it goes to show you that that it, it did backfire terribly and Florida watched its 11-point lead va- evaporate. I think that would be thing number two that killed Florida last night. That's the reason that they are home and not playing Arkansas in the Sweet 16 is that it was something we talked about on the previous show, but Florida had to limit turnovers. I really felt like 15 was the number where if they had 15 giveaways and limited it to that, they would win the game. They had 20. Um, and I had said 15 on the podcast. They were five over that lost by three. Out of curiosity, how did you come to that number? Was it, was it um, anything in particular or just, I'll tell you why in a second, know, but I'm interested. No, it, it wasn't really anything in particular other than, you know what it was? It's that the national per game average is like 14.2. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what I, what I was, what I'm getting at is I actually looked. So Florida had 72 possessions, I think in this game. And uh, so if you look at what their, with their normal turnover rate, uh, how many turnovers would that be? And cause I was interested. I'm like, well, how much did they actually turn the ball over more than they normally did? And uh, at their normal turnover rate, because it was a high possession game, they, uh, they would have turned the ball over 15 times. So that would be a normal turnover game for Florida. So anyways, I was just interested how you came the number, but I will tell you that you're, uh, you're, off the top of your head kind of guess for uh, 15 turnovers was, was very accurate. That's what Florida, you know, quote unquote should have had uh, with their, with their normal turnover rate. But uh, Neil, I've got two more things on turnovers that might just like go way too long on the podcast, but Hey, that's what we're, what we're here for. (laughs) But uh, the first thing, and I mean, I was going to tweet out some video of some of these possessions and then I decided that, you know, I probably just have tweeted enough these last two days, (laughs) but uh, the thing that made, talking about Oral Roberts being tired and talking about Florida playing slow. Like the biggest issue is this, and there's a possession that you might remember where, where Florida ended up getting a shot clock violation. But what happened was Florida dribbled the ball up the floor and then they started initiating their set with, uh, with like 13 seconds left. And it was to try to get Colin Castleton posted up. And so at 13 seconds, they start their offense uh, and Kevin O'Banner fronts Colin Castleton. So the pass isn't there. So we're now 17, 20 seconds into the shot clock and you have made Oral Roberts guard once. They made Kevin O'Banner have to have to face guard, had to get over the top and deny a pass of, of Castleton. That was the one action you made their entire team defend for, for 20 seconds. And then what happened was the ball also to make that entry pass got swung to Noah Locke. So then suddenly there's seven seconds on the shot clock and now Noah Locke has the ball in his hands the last player you want with the ball in his hands in that situation. And it turns into a, into a shot clock violation. So 
that that it, there's a series of those where it's just like 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 again like that is what you are doing by by playing playing so slowly is you're making oral roberts only have to guard one action and and usually it's not a complex action it was like hey can you deny an entry pass into colin castleton and then it's like oh for that you now have to just guard a noah lock one-on-one with five seconds on the shot clock so that's what made oral roberts defend a lot better but uh, the other thing neil that i wanted to say and I'm, I'm sure you saw this quote but you know uh mike white was obviously asked about turnovers and he said something along the lines of of that he just you know didn't know how else he could motivate his team not to turn the ball over and he talked about how they they make guys run for it how they use film and he's just like well i'm sorry there's like i you know we've tried so much stuff so i want to read out to you every single turnover that that florida had in this game um i'm sure listening you'll remember some of these plays um some of them you might not, but uh, I'm sure you'll remember a bunch of these plays. But um, uh, the first turnover, there was a Colin Castlin post up. He got it uh, tied up for jump ball. Uh, the second one was an inbound play where they used Osayo Sifo as a player to throw an entry pass. He threw an awful entry pass. It was a turnover. Um, the third play was that weird Osayo Sifo travel where he got the offensive rebound and then got called to travel, which wasn't a travel at all, but he actually did step out of bounds. So at first I'm like, wow, what an awful call that it's a travel, but it wasn't. Uh, the next was an Appleby, Tyree Appleby carry. thought that was a little bit of a tough call. Not then, a carry. Uh, not a carry. Okay, there's the judgment. Uh, watching it in slow-mo, I was like, ooh, that's tough. Uh, next one was uh, was trying to push the ball in transition to Colin Castleton, who was rim running, got picked off. Then there was a Tyree Appleby pick and roll. Um, then it was thrown to Adley Deruji, who had who was the lifting in that situation. He threw a bad pass to Castleton. Next was a uh, Scotty Lewis moving screen. Um, next there was a designed post up for for Omar Payne. He got uh, offensive foul. Um, the next one was uh, Anthony Deruji. He got the ball in the cut and he got it stripped from him. Just a really good play by Earl Roberts. No problem from Deruji. There was a great strip. Then there was a moving screen from Castleton. Then there was Trey Mann in transition. He threw a bad pass. Then there was a uh, Osayo Sifo moving screen. There was a uh, Tyree Appleby. Uh, Tyree Appleby in transition dribbles it off up off off himself. Then there was a Castleton post up that he got it ripped from. Then there was the play I described earlier where uh, there was the bad pass from Locke. Uh, then there was a Trayman pick and roll. He tried to throw the ball into into Colin Castleton, turn the ball over. Then there was um, that really bad Scotty Lewis turnover where he uh, threw the pick six late in the game. Um, and then there was a bobbled entry pass from Colin Castleton. And then there was that O board where Castleton kind of had the offensive rebound and then it kind of got ripped from him. Even though I don't really know if Castleton really deserved the turnover because he uh, didn't really have possession, but um, and, and got fouled. Anyways, that's like, and got fouled. But anyways, what my five minutes of talking is getting to is, you know, Mike White says, I- I'm just not sure what we could do to turn the ball over less. In those plays, there was one play initiated by Trey Mann. So I just see these turnover problems, and I say, if you call plays that have historically turned the ball over a lot more, and you're not having the ball in the hands of your best player, how are you surprised by the turnovers? And again, Mike White looked legitimately flummoxed and just exacerbated about how he cannot get his team to turn the ball over less. But then I'm looking at all the turnovers and it's like you had a design post up for Omar Payne or you had Colin Cass or sorry, you had Osayo Sifo trying to make an entry pass like or like, again, I'm just can't be really surprised. So so Florida logged 19 plays with with Trey Mann as the, as the primary initiator and they had one turnover on those plays. So that's a pretty awesome uh, turnover rate. 
uh, for Trey Mann ran uh, ran plays, and and again, that's just something as we as we talk about these turnovers and the fact that they just, just seem so like mystified at the turnovers. It's like I just I'm just not shocked, and uh, and that is the reason why. Uh, that's that's why we uh, we have Eric on Florida Basketball Hour. That's impressive stuff uh, right <laughs> there, and I think uh, it gives you a lot more insight into the turnover problem that plagued Florida on a night where I really felt like Florida's all of Florida's guards played uh, fairly well. Um, I thought Noah Locke had one of his best games of the season. Um, again, you see that Noah is perfectly capable of playing against players that uh, don't necessarily match his athleticism. He had a really good look uh, at a shot for the lead, obviously in the last minute. And, you know, I wonder how many times out of 10 he makes that shot, but uh, obviously second time in a couple games where he's missed a, a pretty big jump shot uh, with a chance to, to either tie a game or take the lead or give Florida some extra momentum. Uh, that was unfortunate, but Florida's guards, those three combined for 50 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists, uh, four steals, just really good stuff. Florida had a lot more trouble getting the front court going. We kind of anticipated this on our uh, podcast. For those of you that listened to the preview show, we said Oral Roberts is kind of consent to, to play lanes. They're not going to be super aggressive, but they will double. Um, and Colin Castleton was going to have to pass out of those, and he had five turnovers. You can argue with the officiating on some of them, but really – didn't put a mark on the game, Colin, until the second half. And then Florida uh, slows it down too much for him to be effective, I thought, in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, just some uh, some tough moments where, again, he just got the ball ripped from him on a couple of post-ups by, by smaller players. And I guess that's it a little bit is just um, – again bringing the ball down low or like a six foot seven forward can can tie it up but yeah he just got got tied up a, a few too many times and uh that's obviously pretty rough when he has a pretty big size advantage I mean these are the matchups that he's done pretty well against it would have been awesome if he would have been able to get Kevin O'Banner into some foul trouble and it just uh yeah it just wasn't there and, and again it's just uh a, a bit of a shame where, where, like you said, I mean, you know, most of uh, Florida's best players really did play pretty well. Trey Mann played well. I think, like you said, Noah Locke was fantastic. Tyree Appleby was was solid. Um, I guess you can also look, though, at the fact that those guys really did all struggle to contain Max Aismas, but uh, maybe maybe we're getting to that. But but yeah, for most the most part, they, they did play pretty well. But uh, yeah, the one the one element where you might say, well, here is where time for the the high major basketball team to really bully the the summit league team is their six eleven center going against a six foot seven center and, and yeah Florida just largely wasn't able to take advantage of that. And Max Aismas had a season high five turnovers. Um so I mean Florida was doing some things to to make life a little more difficult on him. Uh, I thought that at least one of the two fouls he had on Tyree Appleby, pick one, just pick one. Um, should have been a technical foul. Uh, I, you know, after rewatching the game to do the pod, Eric, I really feel like the second one was much more tech. Like I had tweeted that the initial like elbow that reopened is a stitch and had, uh, Dave Warner working on Tyree right before the half I had tweeted and, and actually defended the take that that was a flagrant. And I think that the second one, um, where he looks at Appleby and then just pushes him down to the ground was much it, like Florida has been called for softer technicals this season. So uh, 
we could talk about officiating disparity. Look, I think we know that Oral Roberts is great at, at foul discipline. They have to be. We talk, it, It's something we mentioned on the preview show. We know that they don't foul a ton. It's the style of defense that they play uh, that is conducive to that. But uh, they were only whistled for 11 fouls in the game. Um, and, you know, for all their foul discipline against Ohio State, they committed 20 fouls. Uh, and Ohio State shot an equal number of free throws uh, against Florida. There was a huge free throw disparity. And uh, obviously the free throw disparity does a ton for who wins the game. It's 12 extra points for Oral Roberts on 14 more free throw attempts because Oral Roberts makes its free throws. Yeah, I didn't think that the officials played maybe as much of a role as, as some people suggested who – were tweeting at me angrily for suggesting that Oral Roberts played really well and deserved to win. Um, there was definitely some rough calls. There was one early. Um, I forget if it was Omar Payne who got called for the foul. It was on. It was on Max Aismith, and I just like I'm like, man, if he's an inch taller, even um, he's not getting that foul call. That was just one of those like, oh, here's the small guard attacking. Um, he's gonna get. Uh, he's gonna get that foul call. There's also that one where I, they they didn't show a great angle of it, but man, I watched it in like super slow mo, and uh, it was when Scotty Lewis fouled a jump shooter. I forget who it was, um, but he's right in front of Florida's bench, and and I thought I thought he blocked the shot clean. And judging by his reaction and even the reaction of the shooter, I don't think he thought he got fouled. I thought Scotty Lewis got all ball, so I thought that was a really rough call, um, especially from the trail official. Um, that wasn't in the best position. That was also my problem with uh, a couple of these other fouls on, on Max Aismith. The uh, baseline ref had a, had a great look at it, didn't call anything. And it was the trail official. So that was rough. So I, I do think the officiating was, was, was tilted. I don't think it was the jobbing that a lot of people expected. Um, I, I mean, the other fact of the matter too, is, I mean, they were getting into the paint at will putting Florida in rotation at will, uh, so yeah, I, I do think that's going to lend its lend itself to, to drawing more fouls. Uh, but yeah, that's that is the that is the extent of my my refereeing take. I do think it was not great. I do think it was an Oral Roberts failure. I don't think it was the sole reason that Florida lost. Certainly, no. I include it as one of three reasons that Florida lost because it was a three point game, and you know a little better officiated game. Uh, in the second round of the NCAA tournament, you would certainly hope that the officiating was better than it was uh, last night, and it wasn't. Um, to your point, I think some level of foul disparity would have made sense uh, based on just how Florida, particularly in their matchup zone, uh, when they were in that defense, was really getting into some bad switches and making it very easy for Oral Roberts to get to the basket. We can get to that in just a second. Um, I did think Florida had a couple other plays. You mentioned them, the Osifo dunk uh, was pretty clearly an and one. Uh, and I got to thinking, sadly, watching the game, that it would sure have been nice to have him at the free throw line at that point in time just to have a free throw to shoot uh, before later in the game. Maybe he makes that free throw, and that changes what Oral Roberts decides to do at the end of the game. Who knows? Um, but there was mystifyingly no call, even though, Osifo wasn't able to land, um, which is pretty clear rule in the rule book. Uh, I thought that uh, Noah Locke was hammered on one of his made threes uh, on a day when they called two four-point plays the other direction. It was fascinating that they didn't on that. And then on the other side of the Lewis block, by the way, Mike White was pretty mad about that call too uh, on Scotty Lewis's block of the three that 
resulted in three points for Aurora Roberts, which was the difference in the final score. Um, that came after Anthony Derucci was just absolutely clobbered on a drive in the lane, uh, and it resulted in, you know, a turnover. Uh, and I think there was a really good strip by one Aurora Roberts player on the play, but the help side defender clearly gets Derucci on the arm there. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know if Anthony makes those free throws, but he should have been shooting them. Uh, so in any event, that was just one of the reasons that I felt like Florida lost the game was, was officials. It was kind of the perfect storm and combination of how a Cinderella advances. And this Oral Roberts team has been winning close games. And a big way that they do that is all the pressure that they put on you offensively, Eric. And, and Florida was no different. Uh, I thought Florida made two significant defensive mistakes uh, and then defended reasonably well against good offense in their man sets. Uh, but in the matchup zone, not so great. And then later in the game in the one, three, one, but we can start with the matchup zone and the problems it created. Yeah. I mean, right from the, right from the jump coming out of the press, uh, that's one thing about the matchup zone. I think if they do their, their press, it's easier to fall back into that matchup zone because again, you're not pressing and then suddenly everyone's got to find their check. So kind of goes naturally, but again, I just, I just thought just kind of like our preview on the podcast, just to see how well that Oral Roberts did against, against presses. I just, I, I don't know why Florida would have maybe went in with that game plan and then, you, you add in that it probably when they press it, it means they usually go back into the matchup zone. Well, that uh, that's going to suggest that, uh, yeah, it's that's another thing where the other yeah, matchup zone just hasn't been great. And again, there was times against like against Kentucky where I just I, I really didn't think they played it well, but it was effective. And that's just some things about men or sorry, you know, zones or matchup zones sometimes is that you're going to give up open shots. But sometimes they're just the teams that don't shoot well or the players that don't shoot well. But uh, but against a team like Oral Roberts, who just had such confident shooters around the floor, it's, uh, it became tough. So, yeah, they got, uh, got bit early with that one. Yes, they did. And uh, they also, I thought late, they had a couple productive possessions early when they went to that 1-3-1. One, one, and then, uh, you know, it, it really didn't work um, after that, I think. Um, the decision by uh, Paul Mills to put uh, DJ Weaver um, in one of those corners uh, who has, you know, a reasonably good shooting percentage despite not taking a ton of shots. And uh, if you can get the ball to that corners in the one, three, one, I think we talked about it on one podcast early this year when somebody had done that to Florida and they did it. And uh, obviously DJ Weaver hits a huge shot. Yeah. The one, three, one was, it was interesting because, when they first went out in the one through one, my first thought was, man, they are not spreading it out close enough at all. Like the, the three players across the middle, I thought they were way too close together. And, and again, it's one thing about like, that's always interesting. Like you can always just tell when teams are confident or not confident in their zone. It just seems like they're not confident. Your, your kind of gut instinct is to pack it in and, and play closer. Cause you want to be kind of connected, but you see the teams that are really confident in zones. They really stretch out, they use their length and they kind of know their angles. So, so Florida comes out in the one, three, one. And I think that the three, the, the three middle guys are, are way too close together. They're not making themselves look big and they're not making their zone look big. And then because of that, and because of the two wing players playing so close to the, so close to the paint, 
there was a couple of passes that were just way too easy to the corner. Like again, if you're playing one, three, one, if the ball gets in the corner, it's gotta be a skip over the top. It can't be just a direct on a line pass because your lowest player is just not going to have the time to, to rotate over there. And, and he's the one responsible for the corners. So, so I thought Florida just made it far, far, far too easy for them to get it into the corners. And that made their defense really suffer. Then you fast forward to when they go back to it again. I thought that Florida was then, too concerned with the corners because they got burned by it. And then you saw them extend far too much. And then they did the one kind of worst sin you can commit playing one through one. And that's getting knifed into the middle of the floor. And then uh, you saw Max Aismas just punching a gap, getting to the middle of the floor. And then suddenly he's got shooters in, in both corners that are both wide open. So just uh, both of the ways in which a one through one can, can just severely break down uh, there. They, they both happened in catastrophic fashion. Yeah, they really did. And, um, you know, another thing that, that I wrote down in my notes that I thought hurt the one three one was the people on the floor playing it, Eric. Um, you know, it was really curious to me that Anthony DeRuji came out of the game when he did and, and didn't return. I thought that uh, Anthony was playing pretty well uh, on the defensive side of the basketball. He had some closeouts that were uh, a little unfortunate, but again, I don't necessarily think that it's his fault. Like that's not a matchup that he should be in against a player like Max Asmus. Like, you know, it's asking a lot of him to go out and make those plays on the perimeter. But when he was in there banging with O'Banner or tracing O'Banner back to the three point line um, or contesting the three prior DJ, uh, two of the three prior DJ Weaver three point shots uh, that did not go in, uh, he looked fine. So it's interesting to me that he wasn't in for much of the, the late stages of the game when Florida was playing one through one because Scotty Lewis is one guy who can make that zone look big. And so is Anthony Derugy. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, when, when Derugy committed that second foul on a three point shooter, uh, that was the last time he, he saw the floor and uh, you know, that especially that second foul, it was, it was pretty awful. Like he was just guarding him straight up and it was just a lazy closeout that wasn't even, a difficult closeout and he fouled him like the first one again it was it was tough uh but uh he fouls a jump shooter obviously but uh, again something that i thought was was kind of interesting is you know mike white kept talking about how they want to make kevin o'banner bounce the ball they don't want him to just be able to catch and shoot but then they play a defense that puts these players in in long rotations and, and long closeout positions and it, it made it very easy for him to not have to for him to not have to bounce the ball and just be able to catch and shoot. So again, the first one I thought was just the defense. You're, what you're going to give up is situations where you're going to have to have Anthony Deruji sprint with all that he's worth to make a desperation closeout. And when you put a defender in a position where he has to do that, that's the rotation that you're, you're drawing up. Uh, there's going to be fouls sometimes. Um, so, so again, like, you know, you know, fouling a jump shooter is unfortunate. Um, fouling a jump shooter twice is quite unfortunate. Um, making them f- two four point plays, like yeah, that's rough. But at the same time, it's like because they were shots that they made, those two fouls were two points added to the board. It wasn't six points. It wasn't like the guy missed the jump shot. So uh, again, I just think that it was two loud bad defensive plays that clearly frustrated the staff to the point where they're like, yeah, Drugi's out of this game. He's uh, he's not he's not going to help us anymore. But again, and I tweeted this out this morning, Florida starters were awesome in this game. 
they were plus nine and were quite easily Florida's best lineup. And when you took Anthony Drugi out of that lineup and inserted Osayo Sifo or Scotty Lewis, that lineup played very, very poorly. So again, I don't think that player plus minuses are, are, are everything, but, uh, and I don't think lineup data is anything is everything, but like, this is just like the perfect example of like your one lineup that was doing really, really well was your starting lineup with with Anthony Deruji when you took him out and put in any other player that you put him out for, which was Osayo Sifo and and Scotty Lewis. Things went very poorly. And once again, you look at the you look at this game from a lineup data standpoint, and it's just like, well, you you, you take out you you eliminate your what was easily your best lineup and your only plus lineup up to that point. You take them off the floor for the last nine and a half minutes. Well, then, yeah, it's pretty easy to see why you squandered a lead and ultimately lost. So, yeah, I, I was uh, not a huge fan of them taking out Anthony Drugi. And again, I thought that it was a loud defensive mistake that kind of stuck in their minds that really undid a lot of what uh, what Anthony Drugi was doing well. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Scotty Lewis because after such a promising game against Virginia Tech. Uh, this was just a flat-out rough one for him, um, and you know, I was kind of wondering what you what you thought contributed to that because it didn't seem to be necessarily anything about Oral Roberts personnel. But then again, uh, you know, Lewis just had a couple of possessions where he got isolated, and it just didn't go very well for him on a on a future NBA guard. Well, again, sadly, it's with Scotty Lewis. It's like, well, he doesn't have a great offensive skill set he can go to and he doesn't have a great defensive skill set he can get to. So there was times where they played him at the four at the end of the game that, that uh, a lineup that hasn't played a lot of possessions this season with Scotty Lewis at the four uh, that got him in positions where he had to guard ball screens when he was the ball screen defender. Uh, that's pretty tough for a guy who doesn't do that very often. So I thought he was poor there. Uh, Florida tried him on Max Acemas for a, a time. Uh, that's pretty tough for Scotty Lewis to, to hang with a small guard like that, who's also awesome. So it's just one of those games where he just didn't really have a natural matchup. And we're starting to see that there's a lot fewer of those than you would have expected for a guy who's 6'5 and, and seemingly an explosive athlete. But uh, but yeah, on the defensive end, there's just not really anyone out, out there for him to guard. And then, yeah, offensively, just uh, a game where, of course, he had the turnover I talked about late. That was, that was quite poor. And... Uh, had some had some attempts like that had had one look at a three that that fell out <laughs> right of course the the desperation heave but but again there's just a he just kind of looked out of place there like it didn't matter like within the offense up for Florida he looked a little bit out of place when he was on defense looked a little bit out of place and and again like I think that like just looking at the box score and looking at individual player plus minuses, that can be very, very misleading. But he was very easily the worst on the Gators with minus 11 in, in 19 minutes. Um, far and away the worst. And again, he was he was part of those lineups that I pointed out earlier that were really poor. It's hard not to look at those numbers and look at the eye test and just say, uh, I guess like you said, uh, just, just a rough game for Scotty Lewis. Let's talk final four minutes. Um, you know, and I, don't want to bring back too much pain, but got to bring it up. Got to got to close the breakdown of the Oral Roberts uh, game with with how it ended. Uh, Florida goes to the final media timeout after a couple of Colin Castleton free throws. They're up three points after Castleton makes them. Um, let's start there. Are you surprised with the lineup that Mike White brings back out to the floor after the media timeout? 
Uh, well, so that was uh, the last. I'm just looking at the the lineup. So sort of that was that that was uh, that was Colin Castleton, Osayo Sifo, Noah Locke, Trey Man, Tyree Appleby. Was that that lineup? I'm just looking for this TV timeout, but uh, uh, that's, I, I, that's, you're, you're correct. And it was <laughs> uh, it was a foul on Trey Man, kind of a innocuous foul. Um, that sent uh, Max Asmus to the free throw line. I thought kind of a tough call, but that's what sent him to the media timeout, and that's the mm. lineup they came out with. Yeah, well, I mean, they just came off playing a, a, the lineup of, of Colin Castleton, Osayo Sifo, Tyree Appleby, Trey Mann, and, and Scotty Lewis. That was Florida's worst that uh, played their only shift. I, I just, to backtrack a little bit, they played three minutes and 13 minutes in this game. It was the three minutes and 13 seconds that preceded that timeout. So that was their only shift of the game, and they were minus six in those minutes. So why it came to the point where they wanted to play just that lineup that hadn't played together up until that point and kind of kept it together for over three minutes when it wasn't going very well. Not a big fan of that one. So, uh, so again, you go into, uh, uh, go into the, that lineup that I mentioned before. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but, uh, but yeah, I was definitely surprised to see um, high leverage minutes and, and there's, there's Osayo Sifo out there. I just, uh, yeah, would be a little bit surprised by that. So that, that's what they come out with. Um, Asmus makes the free throws, cuts it to one, and then the intentional, unintentional foul on Osifa. Yeah, it was it was a savvy move by them. I mean, I'm very surprised that, that teams don't do this more often, and I think it's going to become very, very commonplace, at least in, unless the men's game ever goes to goes to quarters. Um, and, and again, this is actually one, one of the things that, that people were just skewering Mike White for that I didn't actually think was fair because so few people actually do that. I mean, I've been calling for teams to do this for years now uh, and, and, and very few people do. So, so again, like uh, that was even something I'm pretty sure Mike White said in his post game, he's just like, Oh, you don't normally see that at our level. Um, which again is, is very interesting because, well, I, and not because Mike White says, says this, but as a whole, I'm like, in the college basketball game where the one and one exists, you should see this more than any other level. Like this should not be a pro thing where, where you, the guy gets two free throws that, that intentionally fouling should be a thing. Like you should see it more in college than anything else in the, in the one and one you should see it constantly. And again, I, I think eventually you will. So, so again, the fact that so few teams actually employ the intentional foul, I'm not actually going to like kill Mike white for not seeing that coming. You, you just see it. So, so, so much, or sorry, so little this, in college basketball that, that again, for people to be like, Oh, Mike white should have known and not had him out there. It's like, no, like you just don't see that often. And again, the, the player I would have rather had on the floor was Anthony Deruji. Well, he's not a great free throw shooter anyway. So they probably use the same strategy on him. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is, is they're, they're probably pretty likely to do that uh, regardless, but uh, in any event, Osaya misses the free throw. Um, and then, uh, O'Banner makes a shot. Uh, Florida uses its last timeout at 2:46, which of course set uh, the world on fire on Twitter uh, as well. Um, I didn't mind that. Let's make sure that we run a good play. We just lost the lead for the first time. Let's tell the team we're going to win the game. Um, and Florida comes out of the timeout, runs a great set for Noah Locke, who scores. Yeah, it was a great play. I I, I do want to mention earlier just about uh, about the jump shot um how did you think the florida handled the uh, the pick and pops that uh of course oral roberts has been uh kind of now made famous for over there over their weekend 
it seemed like they were doing fine in the first half uh, and then not as well uh, down the stretch. But, you know, Oral Roberts shot, what, 30% from three-point range? So uh, tell me tell me the, tell me me the what the numbers say. I didn't actually look at the, the, the numbers, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I do think that this was a little bit of a, of a pick-your-poison thing because I think that Florida switched so aggressively on those ball screens, which took away the pick-and-pop because you're not leaving that, that guy. But uh, it also means that you're switching, and and Max Asmus was just you know cooking anyone he got switched onto. So uh, I, I do think they had a couple moments where yeah they they straight up hedged the ball screen like normal, and it it led to uh, some wide open jump shots. But uh, but yeah, that was just 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 some thoughts there uh, in the key. But uh, but going back to what you said, yeah, to get Noah Locke your 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 best shooter in, in that kind of position, uh, that's what you love to see. And uh, again, just yeah, big time shot making from uh, from a player who played his best basketball there. Yep. Uh, so Florida has the lead. Um, and then one possession later, Max Ace was able to get into Lang and uh, they break the 1 3 1 and kick it to DJ Weaver, who had not made a shot and uh, all day, but, but made that one. Yeah, that was kind of what I was alluding to where earlier where I thought that, that Trey Mann was just playing way too wide, concerned about the ball getting into the corner, rightfully slow. Uh, they got they made it way too easy for for Oral Roberts to get into the corner earlier in the game, so I could see why he was concerned. But uh, yeah, why you're in the one three one in the first place there? Uh, I'm not super. I'm not sure why you do that. And, and again, I, I kind of thought that they might use the one three one to get, just get the ball out of Max Asmus's hands and then just go right into man. Uh, but they let them reverse it a couple of times, and and again, like Max Asmus coming up the floor is, is going to be dangerous, but getting the, getting it reversed to him against a one, three, one, that's where he's even more dangerous. And uh, he showed the Gators there. Um, one thing I thought was, was, was really interesting. Um, this kind of goes back to the turnover thing earlier a little bit and, and how Oral Roberts um, takes care of the ball. Uh, Neil, I don't know if you watched, uh, um, if you watched the Oral Roberts post game um, press conference, um, but uh, there was a very interesting moment. Uh, I thought where uh, where they're talking about earlier in the game, he took a shot. Uh, this is Weaver. Uh, the ball got reversed to him, and he got a catch and shoot open three, and he shot it and he missed it. And uh, the, Pat Paul Mills was talking about how they knew as a team that that was not a good shot for their team because it was early in the clock before they had a chance to run things for uh, uh, before they had a chance to, to yeah to. to things for for Max Asmus and, and Kevin O'Banner and I thought that was such just such a an interesting concept that they were that, that they value the possession so much and they value every possession so much and wanted the play to not die on the hands of anyone outside of their best players that uh, their role guys are instructed to hey if there's 22 seconds on the shot clock and you get an open three uh you're not taking it like we need to we need to have the ball in the hands of our best players and I thought it was a very interesting look at uh just yeah, the two different philosophies between say a, a Florida who turns the ball over a whole bunch, running stuff not for their best players, and Paul Mills who gets upset and 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 even said that his place players knew that they're not to take that that first open shot if they haven't had a chance to run things for uh, for their best players. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But uh, they did say against that one three one, they said they knew it was coming. They said that they uh, they saw white signal for it and uh, they knew what they wanted to run. And yeah, got a great look that uh, that he ultimately cashed. Yeah, that was the last made field goal of the game with 2.10 left. Let's talk about the next minute because, you know, what we had was Florida defend very well on two possessions and, in fact, force a turnover um, and force uh, – yeah, so Florida, Florida defends quite well um, 
on one possession and then turns the ball over on another and settles for a Tyree Appleby jumper uh, on their second opportunity. Yeah. I would have loved to uh, would have loved for that one to cash. We kind of know that Appleby's does have some of that shot making in him. Um, and then of course for him to miss it and have Con Castleton almost get that offensive rebound again, he got credited with the offensive rebound and then, then the turnover. I was like, I don't know if he ever really had the offensive rebound, just kind of the yeah, way it was. Yeah, and that would be another turn. I, I will say, I mean, he went, leaned back kind of way out of his area to kind of get the ball. I guess they just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I can see I can see the play on. I can see the foul. Uh, given the pace of the game, it certainly seemed tough. But uh, uh, but yeah, I, I like you said before, I thought Florida played well. And, and again, alluding to something that you said earlier, uh, it showed that uh, with Florida having these turnovers late, that yeah, playing slow in the half court wasn't, uh, wasn't going to reduce their turnover problems. Yeah, I mean, I do think Colin got fouled a couple times there, um, mm. and you know that that was a pretty costly no call. Of course, uh, Colin's a pretty good free throw shooter. You would have liked his chances to tie the game, uh, and then Florida, to their credit, defended marvelously on the next position and forced Carlos Jurgens, probably the worst offensive player that that Oral Roberts has, to take a a, a pretty you know late shot clock three. Um, which did not fall. Uh, and then I thought Florida did a really good job of pushing and getting a wide open look. And it really was wide open uh, for Noah Locke. Yeah, there's really just not more you can ask for uh, than Noah Locke in the corner getting a good look. I, I will say, I think that was Jurgens. Um, I think that was him who had the closeout. I, I really like that player, actually. Carlos Jurgens looked, looked, awesome, looked awesome to me. I thought he played a really good game. Um, I think he, you know, for, you know, Noah Locke was wide open, but man, uh, Jurgens had had a hell of a closeout uh, flyby. Um, maybe he bothered Locke. Maybe not. Maybe he just missed it. But uh, I would say that's that's a fantastic look for Locke. That's uh, yeah. Unfortunately, fortunately, rimmed out. I mean, just uh, just a tough one. But uh, that's that that's the nature of three point shooters. Is even when uh, even when they're some of the best in the country, they they miss uh, they miss more than they make. Um, and there's more than a fifty percent chance they're going to miss. Sadly, so uh, that is the nature of, of of that element of the game. But uh, Man, like you said, uh, if he shoots that one ten times uh, or a hundred times or whatever, uh, I, I think he makes a good good number of them. There's no question. Yeah, and I, you know, I like Jurgens too, especially defensively. I think he's easily their best defender. I should point that out. I'm not. I'm not. I'm only knocking his All offensive right. <laughs> game. And by the way, uh, I said he's their worst offensive player. He's not. Francis Laces is their worst offensive player, but Jurgens is. is uh, at least if you buy offensive rating, um, you know, the, the Ken Palm stat, he's their second worst offensive player, uh, Jurgens. But it's good. If Florida's going to force one of those two guys to take a shot, uh, that's what you want in that situation. And the Gators did it. Uh, and then O'Banner, I thought, gracious, kind of graciously misses a free throw. Um, and then, uh, you know, what, what did you – your thoughts on Florida's final set after the Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts calls timeout to, to give Florida a chance to set something up. Yeah. I mean, the, the toughest thing you can do in basketball, um, I think is, is get a three when the defense knows you're, you're looking for a three. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like, I mean, there were 17 seconds on the clock. I would have really rather Florida went for the quick two. I, I think with 17 seconds left, you get the ball up the floor at, maybe 14 seconds, 13 seconds, you get something going all the way to the hoop. You score with 10 or nine seconds left. 
um, you foul with eight seconds left and he's going to the line. Hopefully he misses one. Um, like, like again, when you're, when you're behind, you're looking for more possessions. You want to add possessions. You don't want to make it so that you have one shot at winning. Uh, you want multiple possessions. So yeah, 17 seconds left. I personally would have preferred the quick two. go try to, and I'm guessing that they probably would have like, you know, somewhat relinquished it. So yeah, 17 seconds. That's kind of my take, get the ball up over half, probably around the 14 second mark, get all the way to the hoop. You're probably scoring with 10 seconds. Um, and then, yeah, you, you foul with nine seconds left. They, and then you've got, you know, best case scenario, they, they, you know, they, they miss one or two, but even if they, even if they hit both of them, well, you're, you're going to go try to get a three point shot anyway. So, um, before I get into their play, what do you think about going for the, just straight up going for the three versus, uh, uh, versus a quick two in that scenario? So you actually, th- that was the point I was going to make was I, I thought when you have Trey man, so I was going to make two points. One is Trey Mann didn't score for the last 10 minutes of the game, and I thought Florida, by going to the stall ball offense, really took away some of the things that Trey Mann can do creatively, um, and that obviously was bad uh, because there's really not any excuse for Trey Mann to have no points uh, down the stretch in an NCAA tournament game with a Sweet 16 on the line, and I don't blame Trey Mann for that, uh, even though he had a tough turnover. And again, I thought a really ticky tack reach call uh, when they hadn't been making ticky tack reach calls all night to call it in the under four and then not make the call on Castleton uh, is why I, that actually was the, the two call sequence of why I and the technicals, why I included refs and reasons that Florida lost the game. And I don't have to justify to you, Eric, that we don't blame the refs on Florida basketball hour often, but maybe if somebody's catching our show that doesn't listen i am i am including them and while not saying they are solely to blame i think you get the point i'm making so point one should have used trey man more uh point two yes put the ball in the hands of your best player but look at west virginia syracuse as an example like an hour or so before florida played in the same gym uh bob huggins almost erased a nine point syracuse lead by exclusively going for two pointers in the last minute of the game. And the result was that with 20 seconds left, West Virginia was down five and they ended up down two with a chance to win. Uh, And then unfortunately, uh, McBride, who is one of my favorite players in college basketball, uh, traveled (laughs) and they were unable to get a shot off in the last five seconds for the win, at which point, you know, they probably were going to take a three because of time constraints. But yeah, I mean, just, Oral Roberts was set up to defend the the perimeter. Just go get the two-point basket. To that effect, Scotty Lewis had the desperation heave, Eric. And when he got the rebound, there was five seconds left. Like, I almost wish he had just gone up to the rack. Um, And, you know, we couldn't trust the officials much, but, like, make them call something. Yeah, there might have been a swing to Noah Locke, too. But, again, my man Jurgen was was on the closeout, so – so maybe would have been tough, but the other thing too, and again, like, I don't like, I don't fully fault the coaching staff here because again, like trying to get a three when, when everyone knows you're looking to get a three um, is, is really tough, but they went and had Noah Locke set that ghost screen where he's going to go, like he's going to set a ball screen and then he ghosts it and, and, and runs out at a 90 degree angle and runs to the three point line. There was not a chance in hell that they were going to leave Noah Locke there. And, and, engage to because again like the idea is oh you're setting a pick and roll 
uh, they, they're going to respond to the pick and roll and try to take away dribble penetration, but you ghost the screen. And then that player who ghosts the screen is going to be wide open for a three point shot. Well, in, in that scenario, they're not going to sell out and try to take away the two. So that, that play call was just one of the ones that I'm like, no, no coach in division one is going to no no team is going to fall for this. And so I do think that was a somewhat, I will say uninspired play call by Florida to run a ghost screen for Noah Locke to try to get him a three point shot, which I think was the initial action, the initial option before it. And then it's like, okay, if that doesn't happen, then you have Trey Mann, who's an awesome three point shooter off the bounce. You just, he let him do his thing and hope for the best. But uh, I, I, again, coming out of a timeout, I just wish that Florida had something in their bag of tricks better than a ghost screen for Noah Locke that they had used multiple times in the game. It didn't really work. And the idea that someone was going to leave Noah Locke any room to shoot the basketball in an attempt to take away from to, – or to instead try to take away dribble penetration from, from Trey Mann, it's like, no, they're going to give up that dribble penetration. They're, they would rather give up that that lighter contested t- so didn't didn't love that play call. Not that it was like the worst thing in the world, but man, as soon as I saw it coming, I'm like, I, I knew it wasn't going to work. I guess like I'm watching, I'm like, this isn't going to work, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and especially the way that Oral Roberts shoots free throws. I mean, the last thing they were going to do was give up anything remotely can can close to a good three point look. They were going to say, make your two pointer, we will shoot our free throws and win the game. Um, and I, but I still would have done it. I mean, you saw O'Banner miss one down the stretch. So, uh, you know, that's what I would have done. I think you at least get one more possession out of it. And again, it just gets back to slowing it down. Like, I don't even think we mentioned that Florida is clearly a more talented team than Oral Roberts uh, as a whole. Although, obviously, Oral Roberts has a couple of guys who, at least one guy I think will play in the NBA and another who's going to be an interesting, an interesting scout for for NBA teams in O'Banner, but um, man, you know, you want more possessions when you have more talent. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's also how you uh, try to follow out uh, teams on the other side. You make them guard more possessions because again, you think about, think about like, think about committing fouls as like a foul rate, like the, the rate at which players commit fouls. The, the fact of the matter is the the more plays you make a player defend, uh, the more likely they are to commit fouls. Much like also when I was talking about earlier, when you made them guard one action, uh, it's easier for them to not foul when your one action is like, well, let's hold on to the ball for 17 seconds, try to throw it into Colin Castleton. Oh, they fronted it. They took it away. Okay, now let's have Noah Locke one-on-one. It's like, man, you're just making it so easy to defend and you're, you're just bailing out this Oral Roberts team. So... Yeah, they just. Uh, I, I I agree with you. When when you're the more talented team, you want to have more possessions. So, uh, again, I do think that unfortunately it it showed that um, it it showed that that Florida is just not totally sure how they want to play basketball and how they want to win games and what the recipe for them is to to win games because. Is again, just does Florida want to play faster or not? Oh well, in the biggest minutes of the of the season, they didn't want to play fast. Um, oh, do they want to uh, do they want to get into sets or or just run kind of isolation ball or or just pick and roll like they have the last couple of years? Oh well, you know, in the biggest possessions of the biggest game of the year, um, they decided to, to to slow it down. So so again, there just still seems to be a little bit of. Uh, of, of that being a problem where, where again, I just don't think that that Florida totally knows the the recipe for how to win high level ball games. And uh, that definitely, definitely bit them in this one. But uh, I'm, I'm also going to give one more, one more hot take. I do think that 
pretty tough for, uh, you know, little guards like Max Aismas to play in the league. I, I think that uh, Kevin O'Banner has, has a more, a, a larger cup of coffee in the NBA. I'm not totally sure how long those guys will stick around, but I, I think Kevin O'Banner as a, you know, six foot eight guy, six foot seven, who can shoot the ball. Um, I think he might have a place in the NBA a little bit more than Max Aismas. who's just a little guard. That's just, uh, just so tough for those guys. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty convinced. That, I'm pretty convinced that midcourt Max can can light it up at that level. I'm not saying he's Damian Lillard, but um, you know, I don't know. I, if you could score like that, and and he he's just so quick too. Like when he attacks the paint, like I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how good a passer he actually is, um, because I mean he had five assists last night, and obviously made a really nice pass to Weaver on the game winner. But at the NBA, like a lot of those drives into the trees aren't going to go quite smoothly as they uh, have at the collegiate level. So that'll be a, a big adjustment for him. But if you can shoot like that, uh, you can stick around in the association for a couple years, Eric. We, we will get into a lot of these discussions about Florida's identity um, and you know some thoughts on what's next. There will be a season in review pod that – that I think can take just as long as breaking down this Oral Roberts game did. And we'll do that soon for everybody that listened. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone for, for listening to us this season. Um, it, it means a lot. And for the, the praise and the messages uh, and the support on Twitter, other platforms, uh, Eric and I really appreciate that. So uh, thank you for everyone for that. I, look, my final thoughts on the regular season before we, close this show or uh and then i'll i'll let eric kind of give his but um and and eric can sign us off tonight but i feel like uh, look it's unfortunate that this team didn't get to play in the sweet 16 and lost to a 15 seed Uh, i think it's a game that florida should have won uh i think it's a a game that they needed to win kind of a little bit to just establish some momentum uh long term uh, again, for the for the program, it's nice that they have the SEC's longest NCAA tournament streak. I think, um, but but before I get to that, I'll say that that felt like a lost opportunity last night. Should have been a team that's in the Sweet 16, and I really would have loved it for these guys um, for all the obvious reasons. Um, I do think um, that you know would have said something about even even more about this staff. Uh, had they been able to navigate that. And you think when you're given these sorts of opportunities, you need to take advantage of them. Uh, so that was very un- a very unfortunate defeat. And to lose it the way they did in the last 10 minutes is is something that I think will be a way that this team is remembered. And I think that's unfortunate. Uh, I'll also say that this team went through a trauma that I think has gotten increasingly discounted. Uh, by large portions of the fan base, maybe not necessarily our listeners, um, but I don't think that it can be downplayed. And I think some of the uncharacteristic uh, emotion of Mike White last night at the press conference, uh, where he looked really, really crushed and beat up. um, I think a lot of that was sort of an emotional release, Eric, um, of bottling up all this pent up emotion from the season and kind of like, oh, it's finally over. And, and they were playing for something bigger than themselves. And uh, it's kind of probably how they were able to kind of come together. Um, 
and they certainly weren't a perfect team, but they were a resilient one. Uh, and so I enjoyed that about them. Uh, although I think, you know, again, a missed opportunity, but a season where there was plenty to be proud of too. Yeah. Great points, Neil. I mean, I really did enjoy watching the team and I, I loved a lot of the guys and, uh, I'm not sure exactly which are going to be the ones that, uh, that we have now seen play in, in orange and blue for the last time. But uh, I definitely enjoyed watching all of them. So uh, I will first say, Neil, thank you to you for doing most of the, uh, the heavy lifting on the podcast. I know I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, but uh, you know, Neil does the social media. He's the one uh, on Twitter. He's the one who does the work to actually get these things uploaded. I just come on here and sling takes. So Neil does most of the work and therefore deserves most of the praise uh, for the podcast. So Neil, thank you so much. And uh, I really do love doing this with you. It's a highlight. And uh, for everyone listening, like, man, that's uh, it seriously means the world to me. Like, I, I like it is not lost on me whatsoever. The completely bizarre reality that like me as a Canadian who didn't go to the University of Florida, this school that can like constantly pumps out tremendous journalists um, and people who know sports really well, like this school that has a program like that. And here's like this Canadian who didn't go to UF uh, that gets to talk about basketball and have people listen. Like, I know that I know the truly bizarre nature of that and I don't take it for granted whatsoever. And uh, yeah, especially in this year when I'm like, I didn't know if we get to this point where we're talking about NCAA tournament games. I'm just so happy we got here and, and I had these to talk about. Uh, Matt, I'll also say too, like just um little look into, you know, my life here in Canada, like we weren't allowed social gatherings from the start of November until like a few weeks ago. So like, I haven't been able to see my friends. I haven't been able to see my family. Like, so to, to miss out on that point in my life, to be able to like really break down Florida basketball games, to talk to Neil on the podcast and to talk to so many of you on Twitter, that was so important to me. So uh, that is my thanks. And uh, I will also just give a plug to uh, when we probably, pro- I don't know, Neil, I don't know if next podcast gonna be is going to be our, our season review or our, uh, our look at the program, whatever we want to call it. But I will tell everyone it's going to be awesome. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to say. I have no idea what Neil's going to say, uh, but I just know it's going to be awesome. There's so um, I definitely, I definitely don't miss that one uh, for sure. And uh, my last kind of closing thoughts on the game. The one thing that's just so, uh, so brilliant and beautiful and amazing about the NCAA tournament is that it seems to take the most, the, the things that plague teams the most, it just seems to like amplify them to a thousand. Like if you're a team that struggles to shoot and you go to the NCAA tournament, just seems like those teams shoot like 15% from the three point line. If a team struggles to rebound, it gets amplified in the NCAA tournament and they give up 20 rebounds. It's something, it's, it's something that's just amazing about the NCAA tournament is that it, it takes what you do well, it seems, and it amplifies it and it takes what you do poorly and it amplifies it. So I think you look at a game like this and say, well, you know, Florida has struggled to uh, take care of the ball all season. Well, in the biggest moments, they turn the ball over. Uh, do they struggle to uh, struggle to defend all year? It's like, yeah. So, you know, there's some moments where they just could not get a stop and could not slow down Max A. Smith or, or Kevin O'Banner. It's uh, it's just it's just interesting how these how these situations kind of always seem to work out in the NCAA tournament. And that's why I feel like year to year it it always seems to matter teams that return players that went to the NCAA tournament it's because they have that experience about having their their biggest warts 
amplified and spotlighted the NCAA tournament. And you're seeing some of these teams like in Illinois, like in Iowa that don't have a lot of NCAA tournaments experience. Uh, their biggest flaws are getting just exploited right now. And uh, I do hope that this is uh, this is a learning experience for, for all involved. And, and I think that that's kind of just, that's just what it was. I mean, this was kind of a poetic end to Florida season. They, they did the things that they did well, pretty well. But the stuff that they they do poorly, they did poorly, and uh, that's what it, that's why they lost. And, and I mean, it's a little bit poetic. So, um, but anyways, that is our show. Um, I was told to sign off, so uh, that was our show. Uh, when we get to do the season, the season recap, the the look at the program at large, it's going to be fantastic. I'm telling you. So, uh, so please tune in, and uh, thank you again from the bottom of uh, me and Neil's hearts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.